Well, here we are again. It's Monday afternoon. Episode 10 of Season 2 of the Armchair Managers Podcast. As always, I'm Ross Evans with my co-host Dan Newton. Hello. We've got a lot to get through, haven't we? We do. It's a, it's a lot. hectic week. Yeah, hectic, particularly on the pitch. There's a lot lot to work through, lots to discuss. VAR is at it again, so it's becoming a weekly segment now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, we went from not talking about it to talking about it three weeks in a row. Yeah, it's, it's horrendous, but I guess we'll have to come to that later on in the show, so let's Without further ado, let's get on with it. Well, first of all, we have to start off with our weekly roundup of our selected games. And I'm in a good mood because I predicted the Liverpool result right with a 2-1 win over West Ham. You did. What do you think of the game? Um, it, was a, it was a decent game. I think West Ham definitely missed Antonio, who uh, yeah. was out injured. I think maybe if he was in there, he might have given the defenders a tougher match. But uh, it was good. And I, I actually think Liverpool were good value for the win. Um, Diego Jota... Looks like an inspired signing. Yeah. Coming off the bench to win them yet another three points. Yeah. And you got to say, Liverpool look a lot better with that squad depth and a lot more efficient now with actually grinding out results yeah. like they did last season. Particularly going forward with the squad depth, there was still some uh, nerves around Liverpool's defensive issues, but Nat Phillips yeah. stepped up and got given the man the match, I believe. He did, yeah, from uh, Jamie Carragher. He knows a, a lot about defending for Liverpool. Yeah. Um, and you got to say, he looked decent. You know, for someone that was supposed to be out the door in the summer, Yeah. he's done really well. Yeah. And um, hopefully he can continue in that vein of form because Liverpool will definitely need him. Yeah, I mean, they had a, you know, that's another young defender who looks like capable until at least, we're not going to say Van Dyke come back because he's probably out for the whole season, but certainly Joel Matip. Yeah, or F- Fabinho whenever he comes back. Yeah, Fabinho's going to be. A f- couple of weeks three to four weeks I believe Van Dijk as we know long term injury um, mm-hmm. Joel Matip injury prone or maybe prone but has issues with his fitness Yeah, having uh, Nat Phillips or Reese Williams to step in is they both look promising don't they yeah it might be a bit too early for them to uh, you know be proper first teamers but yeah, in the situation they're in Liverpool are going to need whoever they've got and fortunately it looks like they have at least one decent centre back yeah and I mean you look at the game it was you know Joe Gomez who made the mistake for West Ham's goal yeah it wasn't that Phillips you know yeah I mean Joe Gomez we know he's sort of still a young defender yeah he's, he's younger than people really think he is yeah but he's been around for so long still has you know error prone at times yeah. isn't he a especially bit, this season yeah he's made a couple of mistakes and maybe it's Maybe it's because he's not the last couple of games not had Van Dyke there, but we saw them last season as well alongside Van Dyke. I mean, he wasn't uh, featured so much in the squad. Yeah, um, but you know, who knows if Nat Phillips keeps his form up and Fabinho comes back, it might be you know those two at the back and Joe Joe Gomez might get a rest from you know the first team and maybe taking out the spotlight a little bit because I think yeah. before you know all the injuries, we did say maybe that would be the best thing for him. Yeah, then then I mean they're not high profile mistakes. They cost Liverpool points in the long run, but yeah. And I think to say that it did would be doing discredit to West Ham. You know, they yeah. come and put in a good performance against Liverpool, and they drew against Man City last week. Um, West Ham, God, you know, talk about them. They've turned out after a shaky cup first couple of games. Actually, now looking like a really solid side, don't they? Yeah, they they look like if they continue on this form, they should be you know comfortable mid table. Yeah, maybe looking further towards that sort of top eight position. But uh, they they really surprised me. I know both you and I were kind of worried about them going into the yeah. season. They had off the field issues, but you know, fair play. You know, yeah. they've done really well, and David Moyes has 
turned it around. Yeah, I mean, we, I think we both predicted them to go down this season. We did. Um, are you, are you, I know it's early in the season, six, seven games in. Are you starting to just regret it just a little bit? Um, a little bit, yeah. I, I think, to be fair, this whole season's been very difficult to predict. And um, looking at how poor some of the other teams have been, I think we were maybe a little harsh on West Ham. Yeah. And um, they've proven us, and I'm sure plenty of other people wrong. Yeah, and Liverpool finishing the week top of the Premier League table. Uh, yeah. Two points clear, I believe, of Everton. I believe, yeah. I know a lot of teams have got maybe games in hand on them, but um, yeah. I, I think I'm right in saying even if those teams were to win, they'd still be at least one or two points clear. Yeah. Um, again, uh, Liverpool may be heading back towards their best. Yeah, well, like I said, you know, they're getting to the point where they're grinding out results again. Yeah. You know, they weren't spectacular against West Ham, but they still won the game. Yeah. And that was kind of the foundation for Liverpool last season. Yeah. And if they can keep grinding out results without a full strength squad, particularly, like we said, in defence, that's promising for them, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And like we said, they've filled in that attacking depth. You know, end of the match, it was Shakiri assisting Jota to win the game. And that's, yeah. you know, two substitutes combining. I'm sure Klopp would be really yeah, proud of And Shakiri, who many thought sort of Liverpool career was over, didn't really feature last season. Yeah didn't feature really at all until the last couple of games for Liverpool um, and looks playing in a slightly different position more central yeah more of a number sort, 10 kind yeah, of role not as a wide man and he looks quite comfortable he there. looks solid he looks fairly reliable um, you know I, will he make the difference against maybe a Man City probably not but against you know your West Ham's and your kind of mid-table teams he can definitely come on and have a big impact as we saw you know against West Ham and yeah. you got to say, it was a great ball by him to find yeah. Jota and a fantastic finish. Yeah, there was slight suspicion of offside. There was an argument that Mane maybe yeah. obstructed um, the keeper's view, but I think... I think it'd be a bit harsh to disallow that yeah. offside. While we will be getting to VAR <laughs> later on in the show, I think we can say that that call wasn't one that needed yeah. to be made, was it? Yeah, I think that they made the uh, correct call on the night there. Yeah, Mane's made no... I don't think he's intentionally blocking yeah. the keeper's views. made no movement towards the ball any movement in towards obstructing a player or the keeper, I think yeah, it's a perfectly legal goal in yeah. the football sense. I think even it? with you know whatever the current rules are, I, I think that was a fair goal. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm getting on to Sunday's game. United played Arsenal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wasn't the most entertaining game, was it? No, which we've said a lot about United and sometimes Arsenal this year. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's a far cry from where these two teams were, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. You know, I think they were both in the bottom half at the start of play and it, is a, it showed, to be honest. Yeah. It was a, a game lacking a bit of quality. Arsenal, yeah. I think, definitely were the better team. Oh, yeah. the Arsenal, in terms of possession and how they used the yeah. ball, were... Much the better side. They just just lacked a bit of creativity, and maybe that's partly due to the midfield pairing that Ar- yeah. Arteta employed. They definitely went for a more kind of industrious and sort yeah. of high pressing midfield. Yeah, which worked well. It did. Yeah, it's it was really stifled United. A, an excellent game plan and prevented United from ever really getting going. How how El Neni has turned out as so far this season. You know, being on loan, Turkey sort of being on the fringes of the Arsenal squad. He's done really well over the last. He has, yes. Yeah. Since, few games, since the start of the season, he's been fantastic. Yeah. And, um, he's probably one of the first names in the team sheet for Arteta now, which, you know, maybe Arsenal fans, you know, I'm sure they like him because he brings someone different to the team. Yeah. I'm sure there's some of them which would rather, you know, a Meza Erzil or a more yeah. uh, sophisticated player. I mean, the, the Arsenal fan base is always a bit. 
yeah rocky isn't a they? bit up and down all over tempera- the place a bit temperamental um, yeah but, but they can't be unhappy with a 1-0 win against Man United who they're big rivals with yeah uh, three points on the table and you know not the best of starts but you could say they're in a transitional period yeah I think everyone would agree that you know Arteta is his, his first proper season in charge and uh got to give him time to kind of work on that team and develop yeah. a style of play and he's been very pragmatic so far you know they went yeah. for a really high press you know industrious approach like I said rather than the heavy possession that yeah. they normally have and uh, I think that adaptability is really good for us yeah it? and then of course they won the penalty uh, Pogba giving it away and we'll get on to yeah. him and United's performance just in a little bit but I mean, clear penalty, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Sloppy. Pogba came out and said as much, you know, when you make that kind of tackle in the box and you don't get the ball, it's always going to be a penalty. Yeah. You know, is it enough contact to actually bring Bellerin down? Maybe not, but every footballer in the world is going to go down when that happens. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I think that's something we see in the modern game. And again, when it comes to VAR, yeah. we'll talk about that. But the modern game now, it's, it's very little, just enough contact to be visible especially with VAR, if you can see the contact, they will go down. Yeah. Um, and you don't bl- you can't really blame them because if they don't go down and Bellerin you know, puts a cross in, gets deflected out for a corner, then his manager will have a go at him because yeah. you know you want the penalty, you want the yeah, goal. You, yeah, goals win matches, goals get results, so you need that's what they'll that's what they'll play for. Yeah, um, players are ruthless, ruthless now. Yeah, they do anything. Um, but- on the subject of Man United, we said that Arsenal were in a transitional period. Since uh, Ferguson, do you think United are still transitioning out of that Ferguson era? Because, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they've had quite a few managers now and never really settled, have they? No, like I said, they've, they've been transitioning for about five years now. And um, it's been poor. I, I think we people give Oli a lot of slack because he's a, he's a nice guy and he's obviously a United legend. But yeah. he's been there for nearly two years now. Yeah. And they still don't have, you know, an established system or an established style of football. Yeah. And you gotta say he got it completely wrong against yeah. Arsenal. Yeah. I mean, especially after putting in such a fantastic performance against Leipzig, a game that everyone thought they might struggle with, where the yeah. pace of Leipzig might really hurt them. They performed so well. Um and they didn't didn't turn up against Arsenal. It's ir- yeah. ironic that they all looked like they needed a Red Bull. Yeah, <laughs> they definitely were lacking in energy. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it was odd, like you said, because they, they seemed to have, you know, maybe stumbled upon a system that, you know, had players playing to their best. And then it comes to Arsenal, and then they play the same system, but they changed the personnel, and they just played players out of position. It was yeah. It was bizarre. You know, I, I don't know why McTominay was playing box-to-box and why Fred was the, the deep-lying midfielder. Surely those players would swap, you know? Yeah. It's... <sighs> And then the change to the four-two-three-one, where Pogba played out on the wide left. Yeah. Um, he subbed Greenwood off for Masic. Why? It is bizarre substitutions. You know, you think you got Van der Beek on there. You know, you want to bring him on. You know, you want to get all your creative players on. Van der Beek only came on for about fifteen minutes and looked better. Yeah. Than mid the Manchester United starting midfield. Cavani didn't do much, but again didn't exactly have much service. Well exactly, yeah. I think um, he took Bruno Fernandes off as well. Bruno Fernandes came off and it just it seemed very much like the substitutions were a bit sort of 
they're made on the spot. Like, yeah. there was no thought at it. It was like, oh, he's a bit tired. We'll just put any old sod on. I, th- I think it's always worrying when, as fans, you watch a game and all the fans can agree that they're making the wrong substitutions. And it, it's yeah. very obvious for Man United. Yeah. You know, they've got a good squad now, but they're just not playing the players in the right positions. No, not at all. Um, and they're not getting their best eleven on the pitch. And it, it's incredibly frustrating, I'm sure, for United fans. Yeah, I think for United fans as well, they've got... A- Consider the possibility that they maybe their strongest eleven or what's considered the strongest eleven isn't their strongest eleven in terms of performance. On paper, you know yeah. what team you'd go by reputation. You'd you'd write down the team, and I think most people would have a very similar team. But if you look at form, none of those top names are really performing. Yeah, it's particularly along the midfield, you know, Pogba. Is shaky at best at the moment. Um, yeah. Fernandez just seems to have gone a little off the boil. Yeah, he's hit a rough patch of form. Which, to be fair to him, he was fantastic for most yeah. of last season. So it's only so long you can carry Man United yeah. for. Um, you'd probably put Van der Beek in a midfield three with them, but then that you know if you're going off reputation, supposedly because you look at the other midfield options, Fred McTominay. Matic, maybe McTominay goes in, but yeah, I mean for me it seems simple. If you're going to play a midfield three, you play two of Pogba, Bruno Fernandez, and Van der Beek as your more creative midfielders, and then you play one holding midfielder. Yeah, which maybe Matic. I know United fans like him, and he's got more experience. I don't know. Yeah, um, that probably be my three. I'd probably have Fernandez, Van der Beek, and uh, Matic. I think yeah. that seems pretty simple to me. Yeah, and you know, then you've got Mata, who doesn't really get in the team anymore, but yeah. still could do a job then, can look after the ball well, knows how to pass and use the ball well. Mm-hmm. And his experience might help with the younger, particularly Greenwood, because um, your front three would, assuming they're all fit and available, you go Rashford, Marshall, Greenwood. Yeah, if um, you're going to play a, you know, a, a, yeah. a wide formation. Maybe they play like a diamond like they did against Leipzig, but even then, you pick two strikers, it's... Again, two of Rashford, Greenwood and Martial. Yeah, and we forget about Cavani is there as an option as well. Maybe yeah. not what the pace of the others, but yeah. certainly he's not, he's not a proven either. finisher. Yeah. Um, but They really are in sort of a bit of turmoil at the moment. They're in they? a real mess. They've had a, a very poor start to the league season. Done very well in a, the Champions League, bizarrely. <laughs> yeah. But like, I think I've said that a lot about United. I think when they play against teams that are better than them and they can play on the counter-attack, do all right, yeah. But in the league, they've just been very poor. Yeah. And like we said, Pogba playing on the left wing in the second half. We saw him play there in the second half against Spurs. I think he gave away a penalty then as well. Yeah. So clearly, he doesn't like playing in there. He's awkward out there. Put yeah. him in midfield. You know, play him as a number eight. That's his position. Yeah. You know. And he's if he's out of form, don't play him at all. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's always the argument of well, he's Paul Pogba. He's meant to be this brilliant midfielder. Yeah. How can we possibly not put him in our team? So that leads to the question: Is Pogba overrated or underrated? I think he's underperforming. Um, I think he is a very good player. He's proven as much for France numerous times. Yeah. But I just think whatever United manager has been there, they've not got the best out of him, and maybe that's an issue for him to work on. But clearly, you know, there's something not quite right there at Man United. He's not fitting into the system or. Yeah, you know, better football people than me have tried to figure it out, yeah. and they haven't been able to. So, um, it's it's a worry because he's we all know he's a good player. Yeah, and we all want to see him playing well. 
but he's just not delivering, you know? Yeah. I think he just needs some time away to get properly fit. And then, like we said, like we've been saying this whole segment, played in a system that plays to his strengths and plays to the rest of the United players' strengths. Yeah. You know, it's it's just frustrating to watch players play in yeah. that position and oh, it's just annoying. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not even a United fan. It, I mean, as, as a Liverpool fan, I am thoroughly enjoying it. Um <laughs> But as as I can imagine, as a individual, as a neutral, watching a team full of star-studded yeah. names is just a bit wow. There, these are meant to be some of the top players in the world and the top youngsters, and they're doing nothing. Yeah, they're just they're just all over the place, and it just like I said, it's not doing anything on the pitch at all, and it's just. Yeah, I'm just going to keep repeating myself. It's it's frustrating. Yeah. Because we want to see the best players play well and have a good competitive league. But yeah. The way United are going, they're going to really struggle to make mm. top four. How long do you think Ollie's got if it continues this way? Um, it depends. You know, if they lose the next game against Everton, which they they well might. You know, they could that could happen. Then I think he's got months, maybe a month or two. Yeah. Because I think you know Mourinho, I think got sacked in December. Yeah, Oli's been there for nearly two years now and yeah. they've not improved that much he's not won any trophies you know at least Mourinho won a, you know, a Europa League and he won a yeah. League Cup as well and a Community Shield I think yeah and he got sacked after that yeah but what's Oli done other than be nice and have played for United you know I, I think it's it's going to be tough for him to keep his job if they don't improve quickly yeah yeah I mean we'll have to wait and see but yeah it's not not looking great for him him at the moment is it where they no. think they're in the bottom half of the table at the moment aren't they, they? they are yeah they're, I think they've only won one game all season I think not looking good no um, well hopefully for United it improves but not really because I'm loving it <laughs> speaking of a midfielder who did have a really good game that gave a masterclass, particularly in free kicks. James Ward-Prowse. Yeah, on his birthday as well. On his birthday. I mean, he couldn't have had a better birthday, could he? He, could, he couldn't have asked much more. He, he played superbly. And um, I think he's one of those players that we've always known he's got quality, especially yeah. from set pieces. But he's really stood up this season and really kind of showing off, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I think we've seen him in, in around the England squad over the last sort of few months. Everyone's been a bit like, oh, should he be there? Should he not? Um... And there's always, you know, as we see with all players, as you know, they have purple patches and then periods of rough form. Um, do you think that off one performance there'll be enough there to secure his position more regularly, or is it just a case of that's a one-off? We might not see the same. I mean, um, we've got to say, apart from his free kick, his range of passing is pretty good. As yeah, well, he's, isn't he's it? a fantastic, you know, technically gifted footballer. Yeah, and to be fair, I think he's been you know proving it for a you know a while you know, this season. I think he is a yeah. good player, and I think you look at the way that England team plays, they get a lot of goals from set pieces. Yeah, I think that's probably where England score most of their goals as a Southgate. Yeah. Um, which I mean, is that where England should be scoring most of their goals? That's a that's a whole different topic. Yeah, with but, um, with their with their attacking... creative players, but yeah. um, that's how it goes. And I think for someone like Ward Prowse, who has that ability from set pieces. I'd expect him in the squad and yeah. maybe in the team because you think you've got him standing over a free kick or a corner and the way England are set up, he's scored a lot of goals. You get a lot of assists. That yeah. Team. yeah, I mean, I, did you see the the two free kicks he scored were, I mean, top both in top left, 
corner yeah, yeah they were two both... different positions and didn't give the keeper much chance yeah um, they were picture perfect I think I, I might have questioned you know the position of the wall or the goalkeeper but I think even if he had it done perfectly they're yeah. still going in the top corner maybe for the second one more so than the first yeah. the first you know is what you'd expect from a right footer on the left hand side of the box is to just curl it over away from the goalkeeper back towards mm-hmm. the post but the second one, you can argue maybe the keeper should have done a little bit better. He left a lot of space to that side. Left a lot of space, and that, you know, that right foot across, it's all it's going away from him all the time. Yeah. But you'd think he'd be able to deal with that with slightly better positioning. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm not saying he should have saved it, but I think he could have gave himself a better chance of saving it. You know, I think it was a fantastic effort, and I mean, it is a good goal. Yeah, uh, you know, you always look for any area you can improve. Yeah. And, um, I think overall it was a fantastic performance by Ward Prowse yeah. and Southampton as a whole. And yeah. just goes to show what we've been saying for a couple of weeks now. No team can really put a run of form together. Yeah, you know? I mean, Villa nearly came back and got all four goals that they needed in the space yeah. of about 15 minutes. Um, I think they got two in injury time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think does Ward Prowse show? Obviously, he's not a player of Pogba's quality or calibre and to put them in the same bracket would be ridiculous but do you think that shows that in the right system when a player is actually used correctly they can be world beaters because I mean he's playing in the Premier League so he has to be one of the best in the world in this position he's got to be up there Yeah. but being used in a system that suits him is making him look even better Whereas you look at Pogba, who should be one of the top three, top five midfielders in the world in his position, looks bang average. Yeah, I think you you, you hit the nail on the head there. You know, you play a player in the correct position, play with their strengths, they're always going to perform You know, yeah. to a very high standard. And we're seeing that with Ward-Prowse. He's been played in kind of a specialised position for him. He's doing very well. And, I mean, he is outperforming Pogba. Yeah, you know, and Southampton are outperforming Man United. Yeah, which shouldn't be the case. No, no, you you don't expect to see that um, in the Premier League, but yeah. you know it's a league that certainly this season just throwing up shocks. Um, it's odd, isn't it, that Southampton was so poor this time last season and really managed to turn around. I mean, Danny Ings is in the sensational form. He just he you know got an assist. Or, yeah, he, he scored. A, he scored another goal. Yeah, a fantastic strike from the edge of the box. Yeah, and um, yeah, I, I think the thing about Southampton is they're keeping it quite simple. You know, yeah, they're playing to their players' strengths, and that you know they're very organised. Yeah, and I think very well coached, especially after the you know the infamous Leicester loss last season. Yeah, they've really turned it around, and they look like a a very solid, comfortable mid-table side. Yeah, and you've got to respect the job that um the managers doing there. Yeah, I mean Hassan Hootel has done really well wasn't he um, yeah he's he's making Southampton a thorn in the side of the top teams again like they were when Pochettino was managing them when they first came up and you know hopefully this time they don't see the squad ripped apart but you never know that's the spending power of the top teams isn't it but yeah. I mean they lost Hoiberg to Spurs but it doesn't look like they're missing him too much I think Ward Prowse has dropped a little bit into his position it's suiting him really well isn't it yeah like you said they're doing very well and um, hopefully like you said they don't get picked apart like they normally do because we want to see as many competitive teams in the Premier League as possible yeah um, and 
speaking of the Aston Villa Southampton game, it leads us quite nicely on to our new weekly segment of what the fuck is going on with VAR. Yep, um, three weeks in a row now. Yep, is a. Uh... It's just a farce, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, again, it's a mix of a couple of good decisions and some shockers. I mean, as we say in this Aston Villa-Southampton game, there was a goal ruled out for offside, Yannick Vestergaard's header. I didn't personally see anything too wrong with the decision. I think it was, yeah. it was offside, fair enough, goal yeah. ruled off. Yeah, I saw it a couple of times, but that one looked correct to me. Yeah, I mean, he made up, got his goal with an absolute bullet of a header, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, oh, he, he responded magnific- uh, magnificently. Yeah. It was a fantastic, sort of, picturesque header. Yeah, he, I mean, I think he's 6'6", six, six, yeah. so you'd expect him <laughs> to win a lot in the air. But yeah, but even that... then, the technique, just to power the ball in from there, was, yeah. like I said, it was picturesque, it was great to watch. Yeah, and so other VAR calls, which one's caught your eye for all the wrong reasons um well the one that really stood out to me was uh in the tottenham brighton game uh where Tarek lampity scored his first goal for brighton but i think we'd all agree it should have been disallowed yeah you know holberg obviously ex southampton was carrying the ball out from the penalty box and solly march has come hit him with a slide tackle completely missed the ball and knocked him over and he's picked himself up got him but you know played the ball and brighton have scored off of it yeah, and all the replays that I've seen have shown that he clearly didn't get the ball. Yeah, he clearly got the man, and then to make it even worse, the ref's gone and looked at it on the screen. Yeah, and he can see there's no contacts, and he's still allowed the goal. Like we've spoken about improving VAR and saying, okay, let the refs have a look at it. Yeah, but when it's so clear and they still look at it and get it wrong, you just got a question: <laughs> is is it a VAR issue or is it just? The standard of referee in the Premier League isn't good enough. I mean, we certainly got a top. The top referees like Michael Oliver, uh, Mike Dean, they're good refs. Yeah, uh, they're entertaining refs. Certainly entertaining, but some of the other refs, you do you do look at the especially the thing was Graham Scott in charge of this game. Yeah, I'm not sure who it was, but um, but. Yeah, he goes over to the screen, which we've asked for. On this show, we've said, go use your screens more. Yeah. You have them, use them. Yeah. And he's used it and still got it wrong. Yeah, and I think everyone looking at that goes, it's a clear foul. Yeah. yeah. And I, I almost feel sorry for Spurs. They were a lot of decisions go against them like that. You know, they the one in the Newcastle game before the hand rule. The handball rule was changed. And yeah. it's just ridiculous. Like, yeah. come on. And Spurs went on to win the game anyway. Yeah. But, um, but that wasn't actually the end of it, was it? Because no. Spurs had a penalty, which maybe should have been, you know, disallowed because of VAR. Yeah, I mean, this is a tricky one because the VAR does show that as Harry Kane is going towards balls in the air, and I think it's McAllister who's going yeah. towards the ball. I think it might have been um, Lalana, actually. I'm not sure. Could have been Lalana. I don't know. They all have the same <laughs> alt-right haircuts. Um, but Kane looks over his shoulder, sees the man coming positions himself in such a way that the Brighton player, whoever it is, will climb over him, will it will be a foul. Yeah. Um and that's the vital point. Is it is a foul. Yeah, I, I think by by the letter of the law it is a foul. So the v, VAR actually got this one right. So currently VAR we have down as two one, including the Southampton <laughs> result. They're doing well today so far. Yeah. Um but that does look at, you know, the modern game as what is now classed as a foul. If a player goes looking for it, 
like intentionally drawing contact to win a free kick or a penalty, is that considered a dive? You see, you see particularly uh, against Salah. Yes, yeah, so um, it gets leveled against Salah constantly. He goes down under, admittedly, sometimes very little contact. Um, I would, I would counter that with when you're moving at the speed that Salah does, it doesn't take a lot to knock you off balance. But when a player goes looking for contact, tries to draw contact, and under minimal contact goes down, should that be considered a dive? Or is it... I mean, to, to me, I, I think it's clever play, whether it's Harry Kane, whether it's Mo Salah. I think he is just part of football now. All players will do it. And unless, you know, the people at the top want to make drastic changes to, um, you know, redefine what a dive is, I think it's fair play, you know. Yeah. Well, maybe not fair play, but it's fair game to uh, yeah. try and draw that contact. And a lot of people were critical of, of Salah in the West Ham game. Yeah. Something similar to, you know, draw the contact. But again, I, I actually would agree with you. And I think they are both fouls. Yeah. You know, the player's looking for it, but the end of the day that's what they're going to do that's what all players do you you do ex- you do certainly from the top top players you with you know players like Eden Hazard uh, Mo Salah Ronaldo Ronaldo Messi, Messi. They, the ball is so close to them their control is incredible that if you reach in for a player it doesn't take a lot for them to just knock the ball past you and take the contacts yeah and as you said it, when you phrase it like that you've messed up a tackled a tackle attempt you you make contact with the man and not the ball when you've gone for the ball that's a foul whether or not they've looked they're looking for it it doesn't matter you've made contact if it was a dive they've not simulated that you've made contact you actually have made contact even yeah. if it is minimal so i think we have to support var on that one don't we yeah you know as much as we criticize it and i, I think it needs criticizing after yeah. you know the other decision in that game which we spoke about I think it did get those two decisions right. Yeah. Um, did any other VAR decisions catch your eye, or was it um, been an overall good week for VAR? I'm I'm sure there were some, but uh, none uh, spring to mind right now. And um, I mean, is it a good week when there's such a terrible decision? Yeah. I'm looking at the monitors, you know. I mean, I feel like that's almost worth three points against VAR. Yeah, I mean, it's certain you could argue that it did lose points for someone for Brighton maybe just VAR yeah. going against them in their view with the Kane but situation but certain, you know obviously it harms Tottenham's goal difference and as we know in football goal difference is yeah is, is important huge. yeah um but I hope I just don't I'm tired of VAR VAR just how difficult is it you are meant to be the top referees in England and you can't do it yeah, I mean, it should be simple. Um, it isn't. You yeah. Know, it doesn't seem to be, but like you said, I just want to stop talking about it. <laughs> yeah. And um, But we, we can't, as a, as a football podcast, when it's so bad, we can't just not yeah. talk about it week in, week out when they're getting it wrong. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know what to change at this point. So they're trying everything and yeah. they're still getting it wrong. So it, it's It's a bit like, you know... They just as we get to grips with it, after being confused, get to grips with it. They change it again. So, oh, brilliant! Now we got to get used to it again. And then just as you get ready, oh, I've changed it again. Brilliant! New set of rules. Got to learn them. And I think that's causing the issue. Just leave the rules, or finalize a set of rules that no one can argue with. I.e., the handball rule. Just make it. If it hits your arm, it's handball. In any sense, I don't care if it's 
kicked into you intentionally. If it hits your arm, it's handball. Also, your arm cannot be offside because there's no benefit of your arm being offside. Yeah. So just don't do it. There we go. That's the rules. Now you do the rest. But I mean, the thing is, like, we go back to the the Brighton one. He was a clear foul. It was, you yeah. know, it was a textbook foul, and they still got it wrong. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I don't know, to be honest. I mean, you can't, maybe can't hold that one against VAR too much. You, you could yeah. argue for the referee at the pitch, that's human error. Yeah, that is but, human error, but... But for how many people look at that VAR team, I think it's two to three people in there. Yeah. I, just, I find it odd that we see so many decisions where they don't look at the monitor and they go... No, there was a clear foul in the build-up. Bring it back. You know they tell that to the referee, and yet for this one, which seems you know clear and obvious to everyone I've you know seen uh, speaking about it, but they had him take an extra look at it on the monitor. Yeah. On the one decision that he probably didn't need to, and then he's come to the wrong conclusion. It's, I mean, it's it's I don't even know. It's yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just frustrating, and um, I think we've got to learn to live with it. Yeah, it's. You can almost say that it's a virus. I mean, I wouldn't say that, oh, but okay. yeah, you, you can you can keep uh, plugging away with that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's that time again when we look forward to the games of the week. Uh, Champions League again, now a weekly thing. So we'll look at the four English sides and who they've got, how we think they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, start off with Man City at home to Olympiacos. Could be a tricky fixture. Could be, you know, Olympiacos are a tough side. It's well known. They've, you know, established themselves over the last couple of seasons. Um, and, yeah, it could be tricky, but you would expect Man City to win that game. Yeah, you, you would expect it. Um, Man City, again, not having the best league form and they've got Liverpool on Sunday. So you can maybe expect to see a bit of rotation in this yeah. game, I think. Um, you save certainly in Europe, maybe more than the last couple of seasons, have established yeah. themselves as a tricky side. They've got good European her- um, history. Uh, you'd expect Man City to win, but they, you wouldn't be entirely surprised to maybe see a draw. But yeah. with I think already two wins in their lead in their group, they win this game. They practically Pretty three one. Yeah, and I think you know even if they do rotate. You know, with the five substitutions you can do in the Champions League, yeah, they'll still be able to get enough quality players on the pitch that they should, you know, at least grind out a result there. Yeah, you'd expect a team like Man City to really benefit from the five sub rule. Yeah, um, definitely. The quality in depth that they have, you think, would really swamp Olympiacos. Um, but like we say, Olympiacos are capable of giving a top team a shock, and don't yeah. think they should be un- underestimated. No, no, like I said, a good team, and um. It will be tricky, but Man City should come through. Yeah. Speaking of another team that have also won all the games in their group so far, Liverpool are away to Atalanta. Yeah, who I believe drew with Ajax in the last round yeah. of fixtures. And it's another case of, I think, Liverpool win. They are in a driver's seat in that group, barring a collapse of the, the reverse yeah. fixtures. Um, again, Atalanta went, I think, to the semis, maybe the quarters. Yeah, they went Cham- far last season. Of the um, Champions League last season. And a tricky, tricky team. Probably one of the other teams that you'd have penned down to um, go through. Yep. Especially after Ajax's stumbles, shall we yeah. say. They did, they did draw with, with Atalanta. Atalanta. Um, but... Liverpool, do you think, is this going to be another case of Liverpool's defence is the area? Um, 
area that might let them down. Yeah, possibly. Or, you know, like we said at the Man City game, they might rotate a little bit to keep players fresh for the league game. And, um, it, you know, it could be tricky for them. I wouldn't be surprised to see this be a draw or even a win for Atalanta. But, you know, it's you know Liverpool are a good team, especially in Europe. And, yeah. like we said, if they could get the win, they've been in a very strong position. Yeah. But they haven't looked at their best in the Champions League yet. But also, they do grind out results. Yeah. So, for me, I would still expect a Liverpool win, but I wouldn't be too surprised to see it be a draw. Yeah. I mean, Liverpool said probably haven't been playing their best football for last season. Yeah. At the beginning, uh, which is weird to say that they were arguably better the season they came second than when they won the, the league title. Yeah, um, I mean, they were a lot more entertaining to watch, at yeah. the very least. But um, they've gone from being the entertainers to just grinding out results constantly. And I think that's obviously why they won the title. That's what all good title-winning teams do. Yeah. But, you know, like I said, it is a tough game. But um, I'd expect Liverpool to maybe grind out, you know, like a 1-0 or something like that. Yeah. No, nothing spectacular. It'll be, it'll be a close game. Yeah, I mean, they're always buoyed by... They may, not, they may be missing a solid centre-back to play alongside Joe Gomez. But, you know, they all, you've still got... Alexander Arnold, Gomez himself, Robertson, Allison, we know is a fantastic keeper. Yeah. So you would expect them to come away with it, probably at least a point. Yeah, and even if they did lose, you know, I'd still expect them to get out of that group. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then we move on into group E where Chelsea are playing Wren. Um Chelsea are tie first, so a head on goal difference with Sevilla in the group. And mm-hmm. you know, Wren Bottom of the group, um, on a point with Krasnodar. Again, you'd expect them. Yeah, you'd Chelsea. expect the Chelsea win. I mean, their attack has looked a little, little blunt. Yeah, I mean, they looked a lot better against Burnley yeah, I on think the weekend. The return of Ziyech has made them into a stronger side. I think he's yeah. a quality player. He's a very creative player as well. Yeah, which could definitely help unlock. You know these defences that maybe sit back a bit more against Chelsea yeah it's interesting isn't it that how Chelsea are playing at the moment I'm not entirely sure that Lampard knows what his best team is but in the similar vein to United maybe the best team isn't quite all there yet but they're certainly yeah. just performing to a better level than United aren't they yeah I, th- I think kind of the, the 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 good problem that Chelsea have is that they do have just so many options that you know, yeah. figuring out that jigsaw of what the best players are and what the best system is might take a little time. But I think when they do click, they'll be right up there, you know, yeah. in the Premier League and could go far into the Champions League. Yeah, I, I would expect... You, again, you'd probably expect them to get out of their group. Yeah, I think them and Sevilla should definitely be, you know, in the top two of that group. Yeah. I don't know which one would uh, come out top. Yeah. It depends on the reverse fixture between those two, I think. Doesn't yeah, it? I um, think yeah, whoever wins that will be top of the group. Yeah, so um, then we go to Group H, where United are away to Istanbul Basak Sekir. Um, again, Man United win this game and they're in the driver's seat of their group. They're currently yeah. three points ahead of PSG and Leipzig, um, who play each other, of course, and. Should that game end in a draw, which I think is a distinct possibility, mm-hmm. then United are five five points clear. Should they should they win? Um, and I think it, this one could be a 
tricky one because obviously said in the Arsenal game, United were shite. Yeah, they were they were let's very make, cool. Let's make no let's make no bones about that. But in Europe, they've put in two really good performances so far. Yeah, they have. And that that's kind of the weird thing about United, you know. They've been so poor in the league, but they've been getting results in the Champions League and not only getting results but playing well. And to be honest, I, I'd expect that to continue. Maybe this is just one of those weird years where yeah. United do terribly in the league but do very well in Europe. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 odd, isn't it? I think the Champions League is probably what has kept Oli in his job at yeah. the moment. Um, I, I, as much as I don't think that United would get rid of a fan favourite that quickly, still wouldn't put it past them. They, you know, we say they're in a transitional period because they just keep chopping and changing their managers before the manager can really get the team he wants. Yeah, I mean, he's had nearly two years now. I think. Yeah. Maybe a bit beyond that, but. Um... Yeah, no, I agree. I think if he hadn't had those results against PSG and Leipzig, there'd definitely be a lot more United fans calling for him to go. Yeah. But I think against, you know, against this team, he should get another win. Yeah. United, against all odds, will probably qualify from that group. Yeah, and I think it's going to be a matter of who goes up with them. You would say on paper you'd expect PSG, but you know they didn't look fantastic against United. Um, no. And a routine... Win against Basaksehir. here. You, for the for any of the other teams in that group, that's a routine win you'd expect. Yeah, um, yeah, you you definitely, you know, I think it is the toughest group for, you know, the teams involved. But you'd think whoever wins between Leipzig and PSG will probably go up with United. Yeah, I mean PSG maybe suffering a bit after letting Thiago Silva go. Yeah, maybe a bit of European hangover after. Their success last season, obviously a very quick turnaround. Yeah. Um, just be in- interesting to see how that game goes. Yep. Um, of course, then, we have to move on to Premier League, yep. where Man United are in action another big game, away to Everton. Yeah, Everton, who fell to a surprising defeat against Newcastle this weekend. Yeah. Um, looked fairly poor, you got to say. They, they really didn't pay, play up to their standards they've set so far. They did look like they were suffering from the loss of James Rodriguez. Um, the creativity lacked. Um, Gilfie Sigurdsson's creativity sort of reached the point of, I'll shoot from the edge of the area, maybe a bit further out, and that's about it. Yeah, I mean, for, for a couple of years now, Sigurdsson's just been, give me the ball 40 yards out, and I'll have a shot, and I, and I won't score. Um, yeah. And that's been his end product the last couple of seasons. Um, I, I, I used to really like watching him, but he's, I don't think he's quite up for the standard Everton need now. No. And, you know, you think it could be a tough game for both sides. I actually wouldn't be surprised to see a nil-nil. Yeah. Which I, I hate to say, because we all hate watching nil-nils, but you think about how United set up against Chelsea, but they played for a nil-nil. I could see something similar against Everton. Yeah. I think Everton would probably look at that as a good point. Um that said, maybe Ollie's feeling the pressure a little bit. Maybe he thinks he needs a win, so maybe he'll come out and attack them a bit more. Yeah. But to be honest, I think even if he does that, United just if they if they don't pick the right team, then yeah. they're not going to win, which yeah. isn't very obvious. But we spent a long time talking about that today. And <laughs> yeah. I think, it, you know, it really comes down to who he actually does pick. If he if he picks Van der Beek and Bruno Fernandez, yeah, and actually plays a system that suits their strengths, they could win. Yeah. But I, I just don't think that's going to happen. And 
regretfully, I'm going to have to put a nil-nil down. Yeah, I mean, I I think I agree with you. It's going to be a close game. They are two teams that you know United are a team of quality players not playing well and Everton are a team of strong players perhaps playing above themselves a bit yeah um, but equally Everton will probably want to respond after the Newcastle game yeah so you know, they'll probably be thinking they can't drop another game I think that game for Everton hinges on the fitness of Rodriguez if Rodriguez yeah. plays they will win and that's what I'm going to stick with I think Everton are coming out with a 1-0 win um, but it hinges on Rodriguez. If Rodriguez doesn't play, don't be. I would agree with you and say say nil nil. Yeah, um, and but to be fair, I think that United back line up against someone like Calvert Lewin, I'd be he, very concerned. He could, as a he could bully fan. them. He's yeah. brilliant in the air. He's strong and he's quick. Maguire, we know, is good in the air, but might struggle with pacey players, which Calvert Lewin can do. And Lindelof will probably have his hands full in the air, so he could peel off onto either of them, yeah. depending on. Which creator he's got behind him, and what they can, you know, if they're playing with the wide players. I mean, if they're playing Iwobi, then don't bother. But <laughs> it could be interesting. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, it's always been considered a tough game. I think it's always a, it feels like a big game. Um, but yeah, it's certainly you wouldn't expect to say it's second versus. You know, first or anything like second, that. Yeah, but to even hear that it's second versus, I think, 15th, and to say that it's Man United in 15th and Everton in second is weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that just points how the Premier League's been so far this season. Yeah, it's very true. Um, then we move on to probably the biggest game of the weekend. Yeah. City at home to Liverpool. Ooh, this could be interesting. It could be. Obviously, what was, what was the last uh, game? Was it 5 0? Don't remind me. <laughs> Don't remind me. Um, but you know, it's. I don't think it's going to be five nil again. No, you know, I, I think yeah, that would be a, a huge shock. And for me, I actually think Liverpool um, will maybe get a win here, maybe against my better judgment, because I think that Man City attack could have a field day against that Liverpool backline. Yeah. But I don't know. There's just something about Man City this year. I, I just I don't have that much faith in them. You know. Um... Yeah, I have to agree with you. City, certainly they're pressing in midfield. You know, we sort of... Pep at City for the first couple of seasons, his midfield were tenacious in pressing for the ball back. Yeah. You know, they'd lose the ball with somebody you turn and there was three players around you. You know, even sort of back end of last season, you know, lose the ball. De Bruyne's there, Foden's there, Fernandinho's pressing and they win the ball back really quickly and hit you hard on the counter. Yeah. They're not pressing as fiercely for that ball in the midfield. They're almost dropping back into formation and letting people attack them. Yeah. Which, when you've got a fullback like Benjamin Mendy, um, Kyle yeah. Walker could be caught out of position. And if you don't play your first choice centre back pairing, they're not the best defence in the world. Yeah. If you let a team come at you and play, you know you you risk being exposed. We saw Leeds had did it. Yeah, Leeds um, had a field day against them. Yeah, and you know we're unlucky not to come away with the points. Um, and yeah, really, I don't see City keeping a clean sheet. Yeah, I, I don't think teams are as afraid of City as they used to be. You know, it used to be no. that City would turn up and you almost you, you'd have lost before the you know the ball was kicked. That was how good they were. But I think yeah. now, you know, it's a tough game to predict. But I'm actually going to back Liverpool. You know, like I said, maybe against my better judgment, but I think this could be 
a bit like the Liverpool Everton game. I think there's going to be a lot of goals. I yeah. think I think I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's going to be three two to Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with you about the goals. Um, despite Liverpool's tenacious pressing and City's apparent lack of it, there is a now an element of inexperience to be considered in Liverpool's defence. Um, the way that Liverpool play, Man City could go long over the top, find space in behind the full-backs who will be up the pitch, who will get mm-hmm. caught up there. And without a true CDM there to cover, like holding midfielders go and cover those wide areas and break up the play like Fabinho did so well, that could be a risk, especially when you've got Raheem Sterling, Bernardo Silva, Riyad Mahrez, Phil Foden can play out there. De Bruyne loves to drift out to the right wing. Mm-hmm. Um, and any of those players is dangerous. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm obviously going to back Liverpool, um, but I think we're probably going to see a 2-1. Okay. Okay. Um, Purely, and it I think it hinges on Man City centre back pairing. If if Laporte and Ruben Diaz are both fit and they play together, it could be a struggle because they look like a good partnership. Yeah. Um, and equally, if you know Jao Cancelo plays a left back rather than Benjamin Mendy, yeah, then they look a lot more solid. Yeah. As well. uh, ben Mendy is not yeah City quality. I mean, if he if he's up against Salah, then I would be worried about that Man City yeah. defense. I would I would expect to see Cancelo out there yeah. to deal with Salah's pace because Ben Mendy would be left in the dust. Yeah. Um, the final game we picked out was Leicester versus Wolves. Maybe not a game that everyone points to as a big one, but certainly in the modern Premier League. Yeah, that's... two sides that certainly you'd expect to be chasing you. European positions. Yeah, there's two kind of top six sides, I think, and two very entertaining football teams. Um, and I think fairly even, evenly matched as well. And for me, um, I'm a big fan of Wolves. I said that at the start of the season. And uh, I think I'm going to back them against Leicester. You yeah. Know, I know Leicester have had some really good results against Arsenal and Man City this year, but I think against Wolves, they might be found out a little bit. And yeah. I don't think it would be, you know, a huge, you know, difference, but I could see a two 0 to Wolves. I think. Yeah, I think away from home that'd be a really good result for Wolves, and obviously yeah. Leicester are a well-drilled side. They've shown that. Um, still got some key players to come back from injury. Some returning to fit full fitness like Vardy. Yeah. Uh, Madison is nearly there. He's practically ninety-nine percent. He's playing. Yeah. Um, but. I would have to say I think we could actually see a draw in this game. I'd say so probably one one. Yeah. Wolves are a good team. And we know that they they attack well, they defend well, their work rate is brilliant. Um they've got a manager they clearly like working for. Um and Leicester, like we say, missing a few key players. Yeah. Um could be pulled apart. Yeah, I, I just think the way Wolves are set up as well, they might nullify, you know, the threat of Jamie Vardy. You know, with yeah. three centre backs back there, he's not gonna get the amount of space he normally does. Yeah. It'll be surprising if he can really, you know, isolate one of them and yeah. sort of go past them. So I think he might struggle a little bit up against them. Yeah, but I mean, never know with Vardy, he seems to Yeah. You think, okay, he might struggle this game and he'll pull out a wonder strike from somewhere and obviously he is has to be considered now one of the top strikers in the league. Oh yeah, he's fantastic, don't get me wrong. I just think he won't get the amount of space he normally does, you know, that he normally exploits to, you know, such efficiency. Yeah. Um, and Cody in really good form. 
for Wolves. We, you know, and Jimenez again, just mm-hmm. a strong striker. You kind of expected that the end of last season, the transfer window just gone. He might have been poached by one of the sort of yeah. big teams, but no, Wolves. I mean, I wouldn't have been that surprised to see him end up at like Man United or somewhere like that. No, certainly not. They brought in Cavani as well afterwards. Yeah. they're not dissimilar players. Um, held on to Adama Traore, who maybe hasn't made the same impact. No, I think he's season. struggling to find a position in Wolves right now. Yeah, he's not quite a wing back, and he's he's not really a striker either. He, he is a, a winger. Yeah, and um, I think they're not really playing it to his strengths, but he is still a very good player. Yeah, um, obviously they lost Diego Jota, but they've got players there who can play that position. They're doing quite well. Yeah, so that's that's probably going to be quite an interesting game. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to. It. I think that's going to be one of the sort of low key, you know, more exciting games of the weekend. Yeah, it's, I mean, certainly a big weekend of football, a big week of football, and especially with the new lockdown rules in uh, Britain, yep. certainly something to look forward to. Um, probably the only thing to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be a, a lot else going on. I mean, uh, they've said that football can still go ahead yeah, under um, lockdown. Yeah, I think the, you know, the top four tiers in England are still going to be playing. Yeah, I mean, we have to comment on that for non-league teams who... As we understand, aren't going to be able to play. It's going to be a big hit for them, isn't it? Again, it, it is. Yeah, and we're getting closer and closer to there really needing to be some form of you know financial bailout. I think. Yeah. You know, we've been saying that already, and another lockdown is only going to exacerbate the situation. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, it stays to four weeks. There is rumours that it could be extended beyond that if the numbers yeah. don't come down. Which, again, inevitable. It's been put in place already, and if it gets worse than it has, to, then it will be there to stay. But I think. Yeah. It, that point it's either showing that the British public can't follow rules or the lockdown doesn't work it's one of the two yeah um, so we'll just have to see how that affects football in the coming weeks um, also on the note of the new lockdown Britain we will still be bringing you the podcast however we will be moving to an online format to host it so we will apologise in advance for any changes in quality over the next few weeks we will do our best to make sure it's listenable yeah. and, and there's not too much of an background audio noises and crackling there just may be some delays between speeches that sort of thing um, but we will still be bringing you the podcast yeah the, the content will not stop as long as football is going we will still be here to talk about it and give our nonsensical opinions yeah <laughs> alright well here we are again after update on the lockdown situation we're at the end of the podcast again uh, well, as we say another busy week in football and a busy yeah. week to come yep yeah. Um, and as always we'll be here to talk about it so thank you so much for joining us please do follow us on Twitter if you're not already the our Twitter tag will be in the description below yep. till then look after yourselves and we'll see you soon <laughs>